Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we're in this series called Weird, okay? And if you're new to Cowboy Junction, if you haven't been here before, maybe you think, well, what kind of series is this? We're actually studying the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the things we learned last week was that it, it's never following Jesus that looks normal. Following Jesus always looks weird. Now, I really want you to get that. That's huge. And it's why we would look at the Sermon on the Mount and realize that following Jesus never looks normal. To the world, it doesn't look normal. To your family, it may not look normal. To your friends, it may not look normal. And if it does look more normal, like you're like, well, I can follow Jesus and look normal. That's not what we're trying to do. We're wanting to follow Jesus and look completely different than the world. How the world does it, what the world says, what the world thinks. And it's weird following Jesus. In fact, I made this statement. I'm, from the very beginning, I, I told you guys a story about with me, I grew up wanting to be the best normal I could be. In fact, I wanted to be like above normal, like the normalist way of living. I wanted to be the best at it. And all the things the world did, I wanted to do it better than anybody. And it was normal. I wanted to be the best normal I could. And if you called me weird, I would take offense at that. Okay, But then I got to a point in my life where I began to notice that all the normal of my life was bringing the biggest regrets, fear. It was bringing the, gosh, the, the biggest apologies, the things that I had to go to people and ask for forgiveness. And all the normal in my life was causing all the heartbreak. That's what normal was getting me. And then on the dorm room of the fourth floor of West Texas State University, I gave my life to Jesus. Now, I've known Jesus my whole life up to this point, knew him my whole life. But it was in this moment that he became very real for me. And I started following Jesus. And my life got weird. Weird in a good way. Weird in the way that my normal didn't seem normal anymore. And to my friends and my family and decisions I was making to follow Jesus, it just looked weird. And so I began to just follow him. And weird, weird's just become one of those things that I'm just used to. Um, and, and you know what? For you, you're just going to have to walk it out. What does it mean in your life? But what we're going to do as a church 
is study the greatest sermon the world has ever heard. This sermon is called the Sermon on the Mount. If you study it in the book of Matthew, it takes you seven minutes to read all the way through it in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But if you go to Luke, you see that it only takes two minutes to read through the Sermon on the Mount there. You're going to hear uh, next week why it's so important for us to see why the words sound so different between Matthew and Luke. But today we're going to stay in Matthew. Now last week we covered the Beatitudes, and it was really great. Jesus showed us this weird, upside-down kingdom and how to live. And I guess that's the best way to describe what it's like to follow Jesus. It's a completely upside-down kingdom. Up is down, and right is left, and here is there. And Jesus turns and says all kinds of things to him, like, if you really want to be blessed... And he gives us this way of living that is completely upside down from the way that most of us have been taught on how to live. Now this week we're going to cover the second part of Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look at when Jesus turns and says some things that we really have to ask a serious question. Okay, And and to get to that serious question here in a minute, I want to start off... And listen, I I wanted to save you all some time. I'm I'm kind of encouraging you, go home, read the Sermon on the Mount. Read it again. Read it again. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Read it again. Read it the first time and see how it really bothers you. Read it the next time and see how it's like it's not getting any better. I'm totally confused. This is just weird. And then encourage yourself. Okay, Ty said it would be weird. But allow the Holy Spirit to coach on you, okay? Because this is weird, but it's so good for your spirit. It's so good for your flesh to hear these words found in the Sermon on the Mount so that we can address some things that we, maybe we're not addressing. And the Holy Spirit can start talking to us. So to save time, we're not going to read this whole part. But I think that we can really give a great idea on what Jesus covers in this second part of Matthew chapter 5 by looking at one thing he says. Okay, are you ready? Jesus says this. Matthew chapter 5, he says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. Okay? First and foremost, Jesus is admitting all the laws that you Pharisees and Sadducees say that I came to destroy, I didn't come to destroy them. All you Pharisees, religious leaders, all the folks that are wanting to turn to me and go, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to throw away everything the prophets say? Are we going to throw away all the rules? Are we just going to follow you and everything's going to be great? Are you, are you here to destroy what has been around for thousands of years, Jesus? Because Jesus addresses it from the beginning. He says, no, I, I didn't come to destroy it. And then the next words are so important. Listen closely. This is huge. Lean in. Even if you're in the room and you don't even know Jesus, it's like they promised Baja Grill tonight. We'll pay you for your food. We'll get you the best donuts you ever had. And you're here for the donuts. I'm just glad you're here. You don't have to believe to belong here, okay? I'm just glad you're here. And I want you to lean in to Jesus. And he goes, hey, listen, I didn't come to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but I came to fulfill. And see, that kind of plays with us a little bit. Because for all the grace people in the room, you're like, wait, 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 wait. I thought Jesus did away with the law. And you're about to see that he does, but he doesn't. I told you it's weird. 
I totally told you it's weird. This is where your brain has got to just kind of stretch a little bit. And I want you to see through what we talk about tonight why this is such a big deal. Now, let me just show you, just so that we're kind of on the same page. Right after Jesus says this, I came to actually fulfill the law. Not to destroy it, not to tear it down. Jesus says four things about the law, okay? And I want you to see this. First thing Jesus says about the law is, hey, guys, not one word will change from these laws. I'll make you a promise. As long as the earth remains, these laws will be as real on the last day of earth as from the moment that God gave it to Moses. And so this kind of confirms some things. And Jesus says, if you read a little bit down, he says, not word will change from these laws. And then there's a few warnings, okay? One of the warnings he gives is this. If you break one of these, you're in big, big trouble. That was your mom's version right there, okay? And I just want to be clear. This is still real. For all the people that live in the grace world, it's just like, hey, we, we, we can love Jesus and do whatever we want. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. That's called sloppy grace, okay? And sloppy grace is not God's grace. Real grace is almost like a cul-de-sac. You think you hit a dead end, but actually, you just get to turn around. Grace is the ability, and it gives you room. Like, okay, everybody sit back for a minute and just turn around and come back. Used to, you were dead in your sin. You were forgotten. You were broken. You're, you, it doesn't work anymore. The great news about Jesus is he came so that we could have the kind of grace to where he says, it's okay, kiddo. Hey, you messed up. Just turn around. Come back to me. That is the grace that God gave. And Jesus even shows us, he says, listen, it still stands true. If you break one, you've broke them all, and you're in trouble. Then he gives another warning, okay? And I just want to make sure we understand the warning. He says this, hey, whoever teaches you to break one of these is in worse trouble than the guy who broke it. So for, this is a warning for everybody. Whoever turns to someone and says, hey, God will forgive you, just do it. No one's going to know. I don't think it's that big a deal anyway. Just get them. Take revenge. Pop them in the mouth. Say ugly things about them. Go down the list. Jesus turns and says, okay, if you're going to be that guy, you're in worse trouble than the guy who actually broke the law. And so this is just a quick warning. It's something in my heart I've had to stop and just think, okay, I can't break what God is telling me to keep but I can't teach others to break something that God is telling us is very important, okay? This is just a warning for everybody. But the, th the fourth one, check this out. Jesus says this. He says, if you keep them, this is really cool, and you teach others to keep them too, <laughs> you're a rock star in heaven. And that rock star is the really, really, really loose translation, but I just thought we could all, I mean, in heaven, like, they're just like, you are awesome. If you, can, if you understand the importance of the, of, of the law, and at the same time, if you understand the importance of knowing that teaching people and showing them. And here in a minute, this whole showing them is going to make sense to you. Like, let's say if you're in the room today and you go, uh, Pastor Ty, I've got friends who are sinning, but they don't know they're sinning. Look at the blessing. You're a rock star in heaven if you can ever point them in the right direction. And I'm going to show you why the law is so important to pointing them 
in the right direction. You're not alone. You don't have uh, information. You've got information. You just may not know what to do with it. And tonight I'm going to show you what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount. And now we're going to dive in, okay? And I'm going to show you a quick illustration on what we're talking about. Jesus says that we have the law, okay? And the guys brought out a minute ago, and they did such an amazing job, these little pillars. These represent all the laws that Moses gave and the prophets gave. And there's these pillars in our life that give life. Oh, no, excuse me, they give direction. They give direction. Uh, this would be right here. Hey, listen, lying is not God's best. Lying is nowhere near God's truth. Lying is a sin, and this has been established for a long time. Don't sleep with your buddy's wife or your buddy's husband. And this would be adultery. And, and, and this is a moment that God says it's important. You'll know why as you get older. And I'm establishing this. Another one. Hey, listen. Let's not take God's name in vain. Lee County people who didn't know it was a sin. God says, my, my last name is not. And you go from there, okay? Some of you got that. Yeah. Uh, let, let's go down. Don't steal. God turns and says, you may think they stole from you, so you can steal from them. Or this is how you get ahead in life. Or, or hey, listen, I get them before they get me. Or, or let's kind of bend the rules a little bit. God turns and says, you will not find my best or my kingdom, my will, my purpose, my plan by stealing from people. Because when you steal from people, you're taking it into your hands and you're not trusting me for the things that I can give you. Do not steal. And God sets it up as a foundational truth. He also says this, and this is a fun one. And if you don't know what a Sabbath is, God turns and he uh, explains it to us. But I also taught on this the other day. A few weeks ago, I kind of kicked off the weird series just talking about something that was really weird to people actually taking a Sabbath. And some people think, well, hey, we, we don't got time for Sabbaths. We got, we're busy. We're going. We're going. Actually, God made a rule. The Sabbath is holy. And I led the way in this. I am the God that created the earth in six days. What'd you do? And then I Sabbathed. I stopped and I rested on the seventh. And I expect the same out of you. And now you can see that some of these are kind of obvious. You're like, I'm, I like that one. I like it when people don't steal from me. I, I like the wife one. That's a good one too. And, and, but there's some weird ones up here. And the law for years and years and years has caused people to stop and pause and think about just how weird it may be following God. That's just the laws. But do you know that's what separated God's people from the rest of the world when God established it? In fact, the whole world would bring up these people that would win battles and win wars. And amazing things would happen. Seas would part. Walls would fall. And they're just weird people too because they have these things that their God established that keeps them from doing anything that we would just think is normal. They're weird 
but there's no doubt there's something different about them. And can I just turn to you and say, this is still established in our life, okay? So when Jesus turns and says, I didn't come to destroy this. I actually came to fulfill it. But then he does something weird and really upside down. Because you would think that because we have these laws, isn't that good enough? And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, no, no. In fact, you're going to have to come a little closer to hear what I have to say next. And what you hear in what Jesus has to say isn't a law. It's actually showing the world and yourself that you've actually been with Jesus. Because the things that he has to say, like for instance, he says, thou shall not kill. Jesus says this, have you ever hated somebody in your heart? Just hated them. They may not even live in your town. You may only know them on the TV. But have you ever hated them? Just hated them. Then you are guilty of murder. This is weird. And this whole thing begins to unplug. And it really brings up a question. Before we get into this, I'd like to put out today's sermon title. And it's the form of a question. Because there's a lot of things that Jesus is about to say that can I be honest with you by being honest about myself? This is the question I've asked over many years of being raised in Sunday school, raised in the church, and having Maggie Bean as my mama. I have asked this question. Maggie Bean, was Jesus serious? Because it sounds really good, but there's a part of me that asks, it sounds so impossible. It, it, was Jesus really serious about these things? Okay, so let me call a timeout. And let me make sure everybody understands. These laws were set up to protect us, but to also cause us to be a witness to the rest of the world. Um, the laws work like this. We are constantly when we are following God inside the law. Each law works together to make this barrier a place to where we can be able to say, I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what it is I'm supposed to be doing. This is a moment that for us we can judge ourselves. We all have the ability through God's word to judge our hearts, to see if we are where God wants us to be. Just with the Ten Commandments, just with the other commandments that come to, the tithing and the different things, just with this. But th today I'm trying to show you how Jesus says, I came to fulfill it. I didn't come to destroy it. And, and this is also works in a really cool way. Because if you are like me and you've got friends who don't even know they're, they've drifted from God, who don't even know they're a sinner, who don't even know that they need a Savior, these work for us too because instead of you just coming with your personal opinion on how you think people ought to live, you can actually judge yourself. Watch how you judge yourself first. What if we break this law and we find ourselves standing on this side of God's truth 
It's a moment that we can turn and go, oh, oh. So when I stole, that wasn't God's best. And some of you are okay, we get it, Ty. No, 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 we don't get it. This is a witnessing tool for not only ourselves but our friends so that we can turn and go, do you realize this is where God is? And this is where we're guilty of sin. And here's the fun part. You ready? We don't have to stay here. We can just simply say, Father, I'm sorry. I didn't even know. I'm so glad you put friends in my life. I'm so glad you put your word in my life. I'm so glad you put believers in my life who could simply say, if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all, and it gives us a chance to come back to God. And these are those signs going, you're not where you're supposed to be. You're not where you're supposed to be. You're not where you're supposed to be. I think it would shock some of us in this room who grew up in Lee County. There's over 38 light bulbs that are on on the Jesus sign. Those are salvations that have taken place just in the last two and a half months. And when I talk to them, and I make sure I talk to them because this always blows my mind. CG can verify this. When they come up, they want to accept Christ. We get to pray with them. I ask them, have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior before? Or is this the first time you've ever heard the story of Jesus? We are at 50-50 of people that have never heard the gospel before. And this is the first time they've ever heard it. And they realize they needed a Savior and those who've just drifted from God. But it all came from a reality of seeing that God says, you're not where I want you to be. And a God who says, but I made it where you can come back home. This is so cool. I want you to see this. So, so maybe you've got those friends, those people, like how do you witness to them? You, it would go something like this. Have you ever looked to see if you're a sinner? And they go, oh, man, I'm a good person. I mean, compared to everybody else. Okay, well, let's take a look at it real quick. Have you ever stole anything? Yeah, well, I mean, this, this kind of shows you. You're not where God wants you to be. Have, have you ever looked at a woman lustfully? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, you're not where you're supposed to be. It's all these things. And then you wrap it up with, but this shows us how far we are from God so that you can just simply come back home. And so this, this gives you the information to know why Jesus says, I did not come to destroy the law. But then he says, I came to fulfill it. And now I want you to buckle your seatbelt. Because Jesus asks us to take a different step. And the step that he's now asking us to take, for everybody who's asked for forgiveness, we don't lie anymore. We don't steal anymore. We don't, we don't do this anymore, that anymore. I'm truly a different person. But do you know that was the issue with the Jewish people? Is that they thought they were good with God because they were keeping the laws and they were actually saying, God's saying, now that you're with me, come be with me. And they're like, God, why do I? I've got this. I, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And God says, no, no, there's more I want to show you. There's more I want to show you. Come sit down with me. And the Jewish people were like, God, I'm too busy for that. I'm keeping your laws. I'm doing everything you told me to do. I haven't broken one of them. And I don't have time to sit with you and know you. I'm keeping all the traditions. I'm keeping all the rules. 
And this is where Jesus came and he said, Now, I want to show you as a follower of me how the laws have not brought life, but only I can bring life. And let me show you what this means. Brady Bean was helping me the other day. Brady Bean and I were in here on a Thursday. We're setting all this up. You took, you saw a minute ago the brain work it, it, it took to just put these things together. Brady's got things numbered up here. And, 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 and we were playing with this. We were working on this illustration. And I turned to my 18-year-old boy and I said, buddy, do you know what this means? And he goes, tell me, Dad. He really did. He goes, tell me. I mean, like, I get, I get it, but what does it mean? I said, the law, and Jesus says this, only showed people where they were wrong. But even after getting where they were supposed to be, the law either became a stumbling block for them or a heavy load they were trying to carry, or, or they, 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 they would just kind of ask themselves, is this it? I mean, is this it? Oh, you got to keep all these rules? And, and, and it, the big synopsis was the laws, and as awesome as they were, never brought life. And then Jesus turns and says, but if you come sit down with me, I'll give you the life that only I can give you. And then I turned to Brady and I said, okay, so you got one on murder, right? He goes, yeah. I said, you know what Jesus said? And it's in the Sermon on the Mount. If you've ever turned to anyone and said, Raka, you are guilty of the fires of hell and everything that can come down on you. In which our response would be, yeah. No, that's not our response. It's like, wait, this is getting heavy. He goes, no, no, it doesn't have to. Let me show you. Just by you turning to somebody, and you know what raka means? You would think, burn in hell, you SOB. You know, I only do that for a Monday night. Okay, okay, here we go. <laughs> raka just means you're worthless. And Jesus says, if you've ever turned to one of my creations and said you're worthless, you've missed everything. You've missed my heart. You've missed my love for not only you, but for all of my kids. And when we get angry and we get furious and we get scared, how many times have we hated a brother or hated another person? And Jesus goes, you're going to find life because I'm going to teach you not how to love your neighbor. I'm going to teach you how to love your enemy. And not only love them, kiddo, I'm going to teach you how to bless them. I mean, those people that you right now, you can't stand. You hate them with everything inside of you. You just hate where they're going, what they're doing. And I'm going to teach you how to forgive them, love them, and bless them. And this is life more abundantly. And Brady was sitting there going, that's good. I said, yeah, buddy, that's really good. That's right. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. Adultery. I had to explain to him that one. He didn't know what that one was. And, and he didn't like it after he heard what adultery was. And, um, and, and so I turned to him and I go, Jesus turned and said, but, but just because you kept a law about, well, God, I didn't sleep with my friend's wife. I didn't sleep with anybody else's wife. But you were no closer to God by keeping a law 
Jesus goes, but if you'll sit down with me, I'll show you how to not even look at a woman lustfully. And when you can't look at a woman lustfully, you will start seeing the beautiful creation of the daughter of God that she really is. And that's life. That's life. It goes on. He says that Jesus turns and says, hey, uh, uh, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Ever heard that law? Hey, if they do this to you, you get, get them back. They punch you in the mouth, you punch them in the mouth. If they steal from you, you steal from them. If they punch you, if they take a tooth, you take a tooth. If they pluck your eye, you pluck an eye. He said, that's the law, but it's never got people life. It may give them inside for a better way of living, but he says, I'll tell you this. I want you so connected with me. This is Jesus talking. That you have so much faith in me, so much confidence in me, so much knowing that your blessings come from me, that your life is in me, that even if they were to slap you in the face, you would be able to offer the other cheek. And if they were to turn to you and steal your jacket, you'd give them your cloak, your shirt, too. Like, hey, you, you want to steal it? Let me give you my shirt, too. Blessings on you. And for some of us, that is so upside down and weird. And Jesus goes, but that's where there's life. Because no longer are you ruled by your emotions and by people anymore. No longer is your faith based on whether you've got it or not. No longer is your faith based through fear. But your faith is based in a relationship with me. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, I did come. So that the laws no longer have an application on your life because you're living so close to me that this is a whole nother level of life living to where we don't even need those anymore. This is the story on the Sermon on the Mount and it is the requirements for following Jesus. I'd like to tell you it's not my idea. I didn't come up with them. I, too, have to live this before I preach this. This is me also living a life I have to draw to Jesus closely, closely, closely to get what he's trying to tell me. But this is the story. And it brings up our question again. What if Jesus was serious? Yeah. Let me give you a quote real quick. If you're struggling with this, if you're like, man, I just don't know. This is why I don't read my Bible, because I, I don't get it. I, I have encouraged people the last three months to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And for those who are just kind of beginning, you've been reading the book of, of I think it's John. Be reading John. Be reading John. And, and I think it's wonderful. But you're going to get to moments like this, and you're going to ask, what if Jesus was serious? And let me just throw this in there, Okay. One of my great buddies, Andy Taylor in Sayre, Oklahoma, has a great quote. Maybe you heard me quote him a thousand times because he is the master of the one-liners. And one of his one-liners, and I texted him this morning and said, buddy, I quoted you yesterday. He said, you need to start sending me money. And no, he didn't. He never did. But this is one of, this is one of his statements, okay? And he says this, hey, if you don't know the Father, you'll never understand the book. And a lot of us, that's our problem. 
We're trying to figure out how to make the Sermon on the Mount work, but you're not sitting down with your Jesus to let him work out the things that only he can work out in you. How do you turn the other cheek? How do you give him your shirt too? How do you love your enemies? How do you, how do you, how do you not look at a woman lustfully? And then Jesus throws these things in there. Hey, if you deal with lust, pluck your eye out. Hey, if you, if you steal constantly, just cut your hand off. Yesterday, there was a little boy sitting over here, and I said, Jesus said, cut your hand off. And he goes, what? I mean, it was, it was really loud. It was so loud. It was so funny. And, and, and this is Jesus' way of turning to us and really getting our attention. And it really draws out the question of, was Jesus serious? I've got an answer for that. And you may go, was Jesus serious? He wants us to pluck our eye out? Does he want us to cut our hand off? And Jesus is trying to get it to the point to where he goes, listen, I want you to start taking this serious. I want you to take this serious. And to the point to where you would stop and think, is this just a suggestion? Or is Jesus really telling us this is how I want you to live? So I'm going to give you an answer to the question you should be asking. What do I do if I keep slipping? What do I do if I keep slipping? Okay, for anybody in the room who has ever sat in the seat of commitment, I mean with all of your heart, you have been, you just want to follow Jesus. You just want to follow Jesus. You just want to follow Jesus with everything in you, okay? But you struggle. And it's like, you're so committed, and then the next thing you know, you open your eyes, and in some form or fashion, you're in conflict with God. And you look down, and you go, oh, my gosh. How did I get here? And you apologize. God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry, Lord. It's just a one-time deal. And you're back in the seat of commitment. I'm committed, God. Full steam ahead, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do. And then you're so committed. And the next thing you know is that you find yourself waking up one morning, do, going to work one day, being with your buddies, and you're in complete conflict. And it shocks you, and it makes you mad. Why can't I get this? Why can't I get this? This is Jesus when he's talking to us, and he's saying, okay, cut your hand off. Pluck your eye out. Because there's... Something taking place that's causing you to sin. And he puts the blame on, if your eye's causing you to sin, pluck it out. And if your hand's causing you to sin, cut it off. And what Jesus is trying to say, let me get everybody's attention. So everybody's scared. You're like, I really don't want to do that. Okay, good. He doesn't want you to either. He wants you to take a look at a really important word. Something is causing you to compromise. If it's your hand, you should remove it. If it's your eye, if you can't, if everything about you just can't keep your eye off of her, off of them, it's just like you can't keep your eye off of watching that, seeing that. It's like, no way, I, I want that. That's, I can't remove that. Jesus says, you should just pluck your eye out. Because this is the compromise in your life that is bringing the conflict into your life. 
this is where we all want to sit. Even if you're in the room and you don't even know God, you don't even follow Jesus, but I bet down deep in the heart of your hearts, if, if you really knew God, this is, wouldn't this be the seat you'd want to sit in? I mean, who says, hey, if there really is a God, I'd want to be in conflict with God. If there really was a God, I'd just want to be his enemy. No one says that. We all want to sit here. But let me show you what happens. This is so important. We're committed. We're sold out. Our mouth is guarded. Our attention's on him. Our heart is forgiven. And then some kind of little compromise, little bitty compromise. It's not even something big. It's something little happens. And it's not long before we're sitting in conflict. And we ask for forgiveness. And now we go back. We're sitting in commitment. We're committed. We're committed. We're committed. And then it's one little thing that compromise takes place. And we never sit there long. It's a slippery slope. And it shoots us right into conflict with God. Let me show you something real quick. And this was explained to me years ago. How do we break this madness? How do we break this madness? And this is where Jesus is saying, there's going to be a relationship with you and me. But I'm going to bring up the things you don't want to bring up. And I'm going to talk to you about the things you don't want to talk about. And I'm going to address the issues that are really embedded in your flesh. And it's the reason why your spirit can't come alive. You are more anti-me than truly following me. And I love you too much to let you keep being this person. And the only way we are ever going to stay in the casita commitment is when, not when we remove conflict, but when we remove compromise. And now watch. It's impossible to ever be in conflict with God. Conflict with God's word. God, conflict with God's way. It's impossible to ever get in the seat of conflict. Ever, ever again. When we finally remove the seat of compromise in our life. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, is your hand causing you to compromise? Is your eye causing you to compromise? Then remove it. Now, listen, don't go home and get a fork or a hacksaw. Go the different route. Sit down with him and ask him, are you ready for this? Where am I compromising? And he'll show you. And it will bring life. And life more abundantly. Let me say a few things, okay? Number one, following Jesus will expose compromise. I, I promise, guys, when you decide to be a true Christ follower, not a Christian, not a churchgoer, not someone who, who, who's been forgiven of their sins, I'm talking about a Christ follower, following Jesus will expose compromise. And it's one of the best things to happen to all of us. If you're in the room and you just struggle, God's going to put people in your life too. 
He gave you a wife. He gave you a husband. I think one of the things that Heather and I are really strong at is praying together and believing together. We, we, we go through moments where we pray for three days and we forget the next two. And then, uh, baby, don't forget, we got to pray together tonight, okay? And it's one of these things that, that keeps us tight enough to where we're able to communicate with each other and identify areas that I can turn to her and go, I just feel like this is a compromise in my life. Would you help me here? And God has given me an incredible person. But you know what? You've got them too. Maybe you're single in this room, but God's given you great friends, great friends. To be able to be law keepers? Absolutely not. To be iron sharpeners. To be iron sharpeners. But the best thing you got going for you is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that his Holy Spirit can reveal the compromise because following Jesus will expose compromise. Yeah. Here's another one. Removing compromise keeps commitment uncompromised. Uh, just, just think about it. it. It's when Jesus convicts us and has a relationship with us. And you've spent time with him. That when we finally remove the compromise, the commitment becomes uncompromised. You can do this. I promise you can. I promise. Because I know that God can do it through Jesus, through you. Okay. So remember the title of the message? Was Jesus serious? (laughs) Was Jesus serious that he wanted me to Let me answer the question. Because as you read this portion, you would look at it and go, am I supposed to turn the other cheek? Am I supposed to bless my enemies? Am I supposed to give them my shirt too? Um, Am I supposed to pluck my eye out? Am I supposed to? Is Jesus serious? I can answer this by saying he wants to show you But let me come with a statement about this. Here's my statement on that question. It's not that we take Jesus too serious. It's that we don't take Jesus serious enough. And for some of us, we have played some games. Some games with our mouth, some games with our mind, some games with our what we can get away with, what we can't get away with. And do you realize that our goal is to be living, breathing replicas of Jesus? Living, breathing, walk into the room and people would go, there's Jesus. There's Jesus when she talks. There's Jesus when she walks. There's Jesus when he lives. There's Jesus in what he does. There's Jesus right there. And for Christ followers, there is no other option. And it is beautiful. Beautiful. It is why he died on the cross and shed his blood, not so that we could be inside the law, but that we can finally live a life that's so close to him, we don't even need the law anymore. That he came to, that it wouldn't be an issue anymore. Except if we were to point out our friends, how far they've drifted from God and how they can come back. But then our hearts are revealed because of our relationship with him. And this is the story of the second part of the Sermon on the Mount. And when you read it, and as you read it, and as it comes alive to you, remember this. If you don't know the Father, 
you'll never understand the book. So let's just bow our heads. Everybody right there where you're at. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, let's just let the Holy Spirit just do a work right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Father, today there are people all over this room on our online campus and myself. Lord, we are at our best when we are with you. Lord Jesus, we are at our best when we are fully submitted to you. I pray, Father, with my whole heart that right now, not just because I got the microphone, but truly if I could pass this microphone off to someone else to pray this prayer, I would do it. But we look to you. Holy Spirit, would you talk to us right now about the areas that we have compromised? Where we have chosen faith over fear, or fear over faith. Where we have chosen anger. Where we, where we weren't willing to sit down with you because we are too busy. There's too many things happening. To where we've just given up on Scripture because we didn't understand it. But it speaks to us. And Father, today, I pray our prayers would shift right now. And all those things that came up a minute ago on where we have compromised, that our prayers would now say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Father, would you forgive me? Jesus, forgive me for, for this. Now, in fact, right now, just bless your enemy. I want you to just bless that person that has just made life rough on you made it way more difficult than it was supposed to be. I just want you to bless them. I want you to forget, start by forgiving them. Just forgive them. Now bless them. Open the windows of heaven on them, Father. Father, I, I pray for, for the people in this world who we just get so angry at. And Father, my anger has clouded the love that you have for them and the witness that I need to be to them. And Father, I just ask you to forgive the church for areas that we have just, we have, we have pulled the curtain instead of opened the curtain. Would you forgive us? We get a little righteous anger every now and then. And would you pull those curtains back and no matter how dark it gets outside, no matter how awful people are, no matter how they wave things in our, in our face, I can turn and think about you. And on the day that you went to Calvary, the people who turned to you and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna the, the days before were the people that were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And you never made a sound walking to that cross. And Jesus, you are our example. And if you can do it, so can we. 
bless them. Bless them. So Lord, show us how to navigate this. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let me just, if there's anybody in this room, just give me 60 seconds. And you would say, Pastor Ty, I walked into this place. And I didn't know what to think. But now that we're done with this message, I realize I don't know Jesus. I don't know him in my life. I've never invited him. But the more and more I'm around him, and the more I'm around his people, the more and more I want what he has. I would love to introduce you to him. It's really cool. First of all, I'd like to meet you. I'd like to introduce myself. And I'd like to pray with you. And we're going to pray what's called the sinner's prayer. And it's confessing that I didn't know I was lost, but I'd like to come home. And when you walk out of this place after praying this prayer, you're not going to walk out the same person you walked in as. You will be a new creation in Christ Jesus with a relationship with Him, and you would be what's called right with God. And I think that's what your heart's been wanting for a long time. So what do you do? So we're going to sing a worship song. We're going to close with the worship song. The worship team or the prayer team is going to come up here at the front. If anybody would like to have prayer, the prayer team would love to pray with you. But during that prayer, that song, everybody's going to be standing up. I just want you to grab your stuff. Grab your purse. Grab your wallet. Grab your kids. Grab whatever you got. Grab your, 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 your stuff. And just make your way out of where you're seated. Sit seated and walk out those doors right there. And I'm going to be standing right there by the Jesus sign. And I need you to have some courage to just do it. Because you know God's asking you to do it. So everybody stand to your feet. I'm going that way. If you know that's what you need to do, grab your stuff, meet me at the Jesus sign. And you will walk out of this place a completely different person than what, how you walked in. The prayer team's coming up here. Come on, let's worship God.